Live, that's what's happening. As y'all can see, we have Monkey in the building. This is Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is the show where we take super interesting people, such as Monkey over here. I like when it comes to interesting, I might say that to a lot of people because I do, but like Monkey takes it to a tier of interesting that not many humans on the planet, I think, can really, really get to. So it's like wow. actually super interesting. I mean, I caught snippets of your story throughout like different lives and things and like the vast variety of topics, experiences, countries you visited, multiple disciplines of artistry that you've mastered, not just a master. Like, you know, like that's a tier of like next level like that. Oh, I think man. A lot of people should know about. So for me. This is the interview of all the people that I personally like was like who I would want to interview. I think this is the one I wanted the most this year. Well, I'm um I'm I'm honored, my brother. Um I would have to say that what I carry is not always visible to all. So for you to be able to articulate so clearly the impact that what I produce has on you and your inspiration. To me, it's uh, it's some sort of mission accomplished. I feel that all my life I've been obsessed with communicating myself and communicating these gifts that were that were deposited in, in me from a, a early age. So, for you to be able to speak about these things, it's uh, it's honoring, it's flattering, and it's some sort of confirmation that uh, I made good decision in my life to be able to have someone as you on your platform. Um, share share his testimony of my work to me it's a it's a blessing thank you for having me brother yeah it's honestly my pleasure um but with that we do got a little bit of a, uh, a little opening that we do the rest of the show is kind of whatever but it starts off kind of the same and for it the opening question that makes sense you do need to tell us a little bit about where you start your life just like where your life begins i do believe my life begins um previous to the big bang obviously we speak in metaphors and in spirituality but my life began before i took possession of this body and possession is not the right word please excuse me uh, english is my second language but before we talked we took hold of our body we were already alive that's how i feel maybe not alive in the same form in the same uh right. borders because an ego and an identity is based on on the eye, on the self. So maybe the self was different, but the soul of who I am was here from generation to generation to generation, evolving, transforming, mixing, collaborating. Um, so I, but I, to answer your question in a more literal sense, I would say I was born um, in a small city called Drummondville, uh, living in a small city called Saint Charles de Drummondville. Um, white French Quebecois, awesome. um, hundred thousand people living there. Maybe that's where I started doing graffiti. That's where I did we're gonna uh, get elementary school. We got, we're going to get into school. all of that. Believe it or not, I, the first question, is, that's all we needed, but holy shit. What okay. an answer, my guy. What a fucking yeah, answer. Man. I love it. I'm into this. Like on a more spiritual sense, I'm with you. I don't necessarily have the same level of depth of thinking about it as you have done. But I'll fucks with that heavy. With that though, I got my token opening question to ask everybody. And it's a little bit of a story. 
and then like when it lands you can kind of answer the question it's going to be super interesting for me to hear just because you're from such a different part of quebec than i am in terms of your growing upness so it starts with my girlfriend and basically she's washing the dishes one time and she's got her phone playing and it's that black eyed peas song that i got a feeling Ooh, she's vibing she's dancing she's doing her thing i look at her and i'm like yo when the fuck did this song become chores music right because like this is a song now that people throw on when they want to bop around they're doing chores they're working out they're doing some chores they want to go back to like a happier time and why i say that is because if you run it back like 10 years and you went out to the clubs and the bars and whatnot that song is like the middle of the nightclub banger. When that song came out, everybody's jumping in circles, super drunk, having a time of their life. Ten years goes by. The song doesn't change because it's a song and they stay the same. But we as people evolve so much that the context of that clubbing music, that whole vibe has now turned into the chores music, the exercise music. And it got me just thinking about the evolution of life. Like these 20-year-olds now, they're out partying and shit. They have no idea that this is going to be their future chores music. And they don't know that when we hear their music, we make it our current chores music because that's just the evolution of life. And why I bring up all that context is because this is like the story of Monkey. And if we think a lot about when people start like their stories, when they talk about their artistry, well, maybe not you, but most people started in this adolescent phase when they first discover hip hop, when they first start writing, when they first start forming identity and we kind of miss a lot of the story like music is kind of a thing that's always around you right like when you did come out of that hospital at that point and this version of you started to appear you know there's probably music in that room already being absorbed by you even if nobody can remember what it is and i can remember being like five and my dad he's got like these gray boxes in the apartment the amp the radio the tape deck the fucking wires going off to all the speakers He'd be like busting his Led Zeppelin tapes and shit at some parts of the days. At nighttime, it's like the 90s vibes of like MC Mario life from the clubs and whatnot. Moms was more into like the love songs and the discos and the musicals and that whole vibe. And, I, and all of these things, the technologies, the access, all of this was happening around me. And I had no control to the music. I had no like sway in it. It was just still being absorbed by me. And it wasn't until much later on that I got any control over it. So I was hoping, Monkey... You could bring us back down to the youngest version of this monkey that we can have here and what he can remember being like the sounds and the influences and the vibes and not just with the music, but just like your experiences being the youngest monkey you can remember because not all of us are going to grow up like you did in the world that you did. Wow. Um, well, to me, it's, um, I guess for everyone, it's a deep, uh, it's a deep relation. So I think, I think it's a beautiful question for you to ask because it is indeed um, part of the subconscious and part of the the foundations of of what we become, you know, the generation and the music that is playing during that ge generation. Um, to me, I remember um, I remember moments like uh, uh, we had like a municipal Christmas parties where everyone was every youth was receiving a gift. It was kind of a school thing a little bit. So I remember things like life is life. Da, na, 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 na. like songs anthem like this that all my life uh remained like um hype music or corny hype music you know i don't know i don't know how to say this but uh, it did affect a lot of my enthusiasm because it was also related with waiting to receive a gift you know i think uh, these are some of the moments that uh touched me musically um but i would say as a general thing i am proud that my parents uh, at this time of my life, 
they were not putting me uh, into a pop surrounding. Mm. So I was not like my parents were not listening to radio and pop music. We had a bit of Christian music playing, instrumental music. We had like um, uh, movie, like movie, uh, uh, sonore, like soundtracks. soundtracks. Yeah, we, yeah we, we had certain things playing, but uh, um, I guess my father had a really strong relation to music. He was playing in a band. He was a bass player in a band. And um, sometimes it was conflicting with his other responsibilities in his life. So it became a time in his life where he, he was seeing music as the enemy you know like his passion for music and smoking and all of these things so he became he became christian but i believe he became a philosophical christian he became like an ethical uh, human you know it was all about philosophy and respect and growth it was not about doctrines and laws and it was not really um so i guess it was the perfect surrounding for me so i was not bombarded with pop music uh, all of my childhood um, but it's also why I kind of learned music as a later phase, you know, my, I was already, um, writing poetry, like strongly young, like the, the, from before I could actually write, I was saying poetry for my mom to write for me, you know? So oh, I've been on, doing poetry. How do you get, how do you, how young are you when you're just doing that? Like right out the. Yeah. Well, poetry, I, I can remember being four or five years old already doing poetry, you know, uh, but um, it's not in a sense of knowing what poetry is. It's just I was formulating sentences with images and metaphors and things like that. You know, like all children do. They all speak really poetically when you listen to them. You know, when they're learning languages, the way they will learn, they will speak and use new words will often be super poetic and, and uh, in a, a, a beautiful perspective of languages, you know. But um Yo, I don't think I don't anybody's know ever said that to me, but that fucking sounds like truth when I think about anything I've ever heard kids say. Well, I guess kids also have a lot of foul thing. They have also like vulgar thing and dumb thing. Like they're human like us. We should not idolize children either. But I just mean there's a part of their innocence and the way they use language that you could find a lot of poetry in it. So I do believe that I was... I was consciously choosing certain words to express certain ideas. Like from really early on, I was uh, uh, creating uh, cartoons with different storylines. So I was creating all the dialogue. So to me, this is a form of poetry also, you know, this is a, this is scripting, you know? So, so I would have I, to when, say when that did music you start making uh, comics? came later. I mean, to me, it's like, I don't know, seven, eight. How do you get to that point? Like, to me, it's wild, right? Because, like, you got to understand, most people aren't, like, eight years old being poets, spitting uh, comic books and whatnot, right? Like, to me, it's, like, wildly Actually, interesting I'm not, to hear, too. I'm... Okay, but I would say maybe I have a different perspective, but I have the impression that kid, uh, children are more inclined into art and and inspiration and immediate improvisation if you put them in a spot where they could improvise sound they will go more wild than you you know they will improvise new sounds and new okay i see what ideas. you're saying i don't know so i feel that this creativity it's always there i believe it's becoming adult that is taming these things that are more natural as a children the creativity and everything that's my way of seeing in it and i'm i'm, I'm it's not an absolute it's just it's just it's just, a, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing, my brother. It's a beautiful thing to be able to relate 
and to learn from younger and older generations. I think this is what uh, I want to become as a as a musician. That relation, like music, because music came later. I always felt from early on that um, I would become a celebrity after I would pass away. You know, because I was really seeing my Myself as creating paintings and images. So when I started doing music, I was already on a vibe where my old being will be famous. My entire life will be recorded through my art and I will become known for that archives, you know? So I, it never became Yo, like up. music. Is that, is that like, I guess that's the art thing, right? Like you don't really expect to pop when you're alive as an art, I guess. Is that like what it is? Yeah, and it's even also part of a general culture. Even an uncle that never, don't even know what who Salvador Dali is or maybe heard Picasso, but don't even have no idea, will tell you, oh, sign my sign my receipt there. I'll keep it and I'll be, uh, uh, it will worth a lot of money when you'll die or later, you know? So that idea of the worth of the intellectual prop property or the artistic property is kind of more um, sacred, I feel, in visual art as with music because it's a vibration it's an untangible it's not a material thing uh, um i feel it's a, it's a more cruel industry you know sometimes but um i would say my growth into art was not through music it was through poetry and then it became really art when i discovered um the punk rock music when i was a teenager and now uh, i could get away from christian music well to me, punk rock music was ethical. There was a, a, a social fight for justice. There was a, 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 some sort of uh, understanding that government is not necessarily for you. You know, there was there was a lot of values that attracted me. Um, so I guess who are some of the who are some of the early punk bands that inspired you? Like Ten Foot Pole, Scratching Weasel, uh, Rancid. Um, 88 Lewis. I don't even remember. Like, uh, uh, even I was listening to Blink also at first and Green Day and some of these stuff. And, you know, I discovered hip hop because I was going to shows with my skateboarder friends. And, and um, like, there was rap starting to be included in punk rock music. A lot of the West Coast uh, skateboarder, they were doing their editing. And, oh, okay, that's amazing. So we heard all of what you said. We just didn't see you react as well. Although that's so, an ill backdrop, all things considered. Yeah, this is uh, this is my studio. This is where I store my canvases and I have all of my spray paint. I'm all disorganized right now because it's my, my high season. You know, I'm painting every day for the for the uh, like in the in the next forty days. I will be painting thirty six of those days. You know, so right now I don't have time to clean up. It's not even priority. But this is where um, I do my thing, you know, I come uh, choose my colors and prepare my production for murals. Yeah, that's wild. People care about that a lot. You have no idea how much people love the behind the scenes shit. <laughs> that's so cool. But yeah, that, that's wild to think that like poetry leads you into visual arts, which honestly comics and shit like you were we tell it. Okay. What kind of comics did you make as a young one? I'm curious what like a, a little monkey comic um, is like. Man. There was a lot of relation to nature. I was already kind of like um, interested about saving the planet and stuff like that. Um, 
I, I had a lot of, um, I had like really into sports and I, and my relation to animals. So I had a, I had a lot of, I was re- drawing and reproducing a lot of the archie cards and stuff like that. Okay. And, uh, remixing certain things from the archie card. Um, but it's really with the, 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 the hip hop that instead of just doing poetry and and drawings oh, yeah. now how you actually now, got into the poetry so you said you were like going to punk shows and then it kind of like at that point i feel like we lost the story yeah that's true i was i was i was i was coming back but it's all part of the same thing but basically um hip-hop was being introduced in the punk rock and skateboard scene more and more mm-hmm. uh because of the west coast a lot of the skateboarder they were they were more into hip hop, you know, but, um, I went to a show. I was going to a lot. I was going to all the shows that I could go to in Drummondville, the punk rock shows. And, um, there was shades of culture doing the first act of 10 foot pole. And, um, eh? yeah. And I fell in love with that. It, and now I became open to hip hop. And when I start seeing hip hop, there was always these graffitis everywhere. And, and there was this philosophy about diversity and human beings and fighting to be heard and all of these things that I felt from early on, I was in search of justice. You know, I was seeing a lot of injustice around me already from early on. So I guess that's what hip hop um, is. You know, when they say hip hop is a lifestyle, often it, um, you know, it's a lifestyle you're already searching for and hip hop just provides all the element you needed to express yourself. No, that's it. So I guess uh, hip hop is what really brought me more um, deeper into music and having an artistic identity that is coherent through the identity of hip hop. You know, all of my tentaculas, all of my, I don't know how you call them, but an octopus. Yeah, I don't tentacles. know how it's called. Tentacles. All the- all of my different mediums can act as tentacles of the same being. They're not separated in different communities or, you know, they're all one and part of superpowers that I have as a hip hop B-boy superhero, you know? So I, and I never left, I never left that, um, I never left that relation with my alter ego. That is my creative self. I would even say that my creative self and my alter ego became the main, my main identity. And I worked on not having uh, dissonance between my private identity and my public identity, you know, but um, I always refused to amputate my creativity or sacrifice my level of productivity. These are always been part of my, of my life mission, I feel, you know, so, but it started really 14 years old, discovering hip hop through uh, Cypress Hill and Nas and Mob Deep and Wu-Tang Clan and uh, being here, producing music and traveling the world, um, hoping to reproduce that feeling that, I, that I've been feeding from. So yeah, when you're like getting into it, then how does it like start for you? Like you say, you saw the graph, you got into that at some point. So you go to the show, you see like the stuff, it opens up your eyes. It starts to, what happens next in terms of that? Like bring us back to being like 14. Well, I was, I was searching my place 14. You're looking for your identity, right? I, um, 
first grade of high school, I went with my big buddy that was going to that was that will go to private school, a French friend with who I was creating these cartoons and everything. And he went for the exams of entry for that private school. So I went with him and um, they told me to do the test, you know, and um, I was second in math and first in French in the test in all of the students. So they they asked my parents to pay private high school for me, uh, for me to kind of be there and give my grades to that school, right? But it was uh, chaotic because I was somewhat not fashion. I was a shy, um, I was a shy person, stuttering, um, not cool. I was not a popular kid. I was a, I was a creative already. Like uh, I was favored more by adults or by teachers, but I was kind of um, already kind of on a different. Uh, Dressing different, thinking different, talking different, right? Right. And uh, I guess I was, I always search for that. So when I was 14 now, uh, being in a punk rock city, white French speaking city with my sister as an adopted Asian uh, black sister, um, I felt proud to be part of the counterculture or the alternative culture or the. Um, the hidden part of humanity, you know, like the all of this institutionalized whiteness has prevented from diversity to be properly represented in in many places, you know, with the Eurocentrism and Western world centrism and all of these things. So to me, I felt that hip hop was a more honest voice of what we need to speak about. It, I felt more included in that narrative than in the narrative of the of what I was proposed through school and academics and media, you know. So I guess I was a black sheep again, you know, like I was dressing all white, uh, warm up suit, uh, all army fatigue. So a lot of people, it showed a lot of people some racism or it showed like closeness of spirit of a lot of people, you know. But to me, it, I felt like a warrior to kind of be against the grain, you know, to be like, to not take part of what I was considering the problem, you know. And by that, I don't mean the punk rock culture, because punk rock culture was a step closer to what I was searching for. But I speak more like general society, you know. Right. Man, you're eloquent as fuck. So, so at, at, four, at, at, at 14, that was it. At 14... I, I I had three, four friends my age that were willing to make beats and do breakdance and go do graffiti. And we met a older clique that were maybe eight years, 10 years older than us. They, they were already out, they have cars and turntables. And so our two generation connected and my first mixtape were like at the home of this, these big brothers, you know, I was 14, 15, they were 24, you know, so that was really my beginning into hip hop. And I was already hitchhiking to come to Montreal or coming with them on their ride. But I was already having a lot of back and forth so to Montreal. Hold up. So, so you're like I a, became a 15 year old that managed to link up with people and drop mixtapes back before it was even easy to drop mixtapes. 
Like that's pretty. Well, actually, maybe I miss uh, pre- may- maybe I mispronounced this one. They dropped the mixtape from which I had my first verse on. You know. You know. But I, uh, even, it's still uh, something big for me. You know. Actually, it takes the accomplishment down barely anything. You're still like 15 in an era where like. Like, I've got the feeling you're a bit older than me. So it's in an era where it's, like, not the simplest time to even be involved in music. Even when I was in high school, it's not like people would be, like, doing that. So, like, the fact that you managed to integrate into this culture that's hidden, that, like, ends up in a place where you link up with the right people to get features on a mixtape is actually pretty fucking cool. Like, how, like, I guess, how big is the underculture of where you're at, like, is there like a lot of people involved in it? Like, what's that, that vibe? At that point, it was at that at that point it was nothing. At that point, there was maybe five person in the whole city doing tags. So like, there was not like a lot of people. It was like a virgin place, you know. And um, I guess that's why I didn't stay there. I was really finding what I was searching for, coming to Longueuil, coming to Montreal. It's funny because last week I saw DJ Blast um, in a park, at a party. And DJ Blast is the first DJ from Montreal. He was the mentor of my Drummondville DJ friend that were coming out with the mixtapes, you know. So I met, uh, I met him maybe like in 98 or 99, if you know what I mean. So, and now I'm in a place where all of these people all my life that I've been inspired by, I'm eating at the same table as them now, you know? So I do feel that, um, yeah, it's a good thing. And I'm happy I can share uh, all of these uh, these backstories, you know? It's actually really cool. I mean, when you said that Shades of Culture came to your town and that inspired you, that's, like, wildly cool to hear, you know? Like, just how I could, I'll be so, like, interconnected with that, you know? Like, I'm in NDG right now, so that's, like, fucking wildly cool to hear. Um and then like just yep. the idea that like storm revolution too you know that's again ndg you should so, um but blaster is also shout out to blaster but i was talking of dj blast oh, my which bad, is a different my dj bad. i apologize I, I got confused there that's fair enough there's a, a lot of names out there that i am trying to keep track of in my head as i go through this process and learn more and more each time fair enough still um, so you basically end up, are you performing in, at like that age? Are you involved in that side of things? As I well? am actually. And, and one, one of the crazy story I haven't spoke really of yet. Um, I won in Drummondville. I connected with, um, someone from St. Hyacinthe. His name was Bully Le Psy. And uh, he came to live to Drummondville. So he had all of his contact from St. Hyacinthe. St. Hyacinthe is halfway between Montreal and Drummondville. So it was already kind of closer to the knowledge, to the having access to the good music and the good spot and everything. So he kind of, together we created a group called Natural Reflect. And um, it was Monkey and Bully Le Psy. And we started doing shows. And at that point I was 15, I guess 16, 17. I don't remember because I was continuing to come back to Drummondville, even if I was living in Longueuil. So around around 16, I moved to Longueuil. But um, I continue in Drummondville. I don't remember at what time I was a natural reflect exactly. Right, right. But um, 
at that time I was 15, 16 or 17, 16 maybe. And I, we won a rap competition and the prize was to do Rascal's uh, opening act um, okay. out of town. So I was 16 and I was already going out of town doing shows. This is how I met Akash Tatuk, Sans Pression, Chien Manger Chien, uh, Vulgaire, uh, everyone basically. I start doing the first act, the opening act of a lot of uh, these uh, out of town shows, you know, not in Montreal, but uh, Drummondville, Victoriaville, Sherbrooke, Saint Hyacinthe. And so basically, uh, you plugged into all the big dudes from Montreal when they was trying to make the small town money outside of Montreal. Because from what I understand, there's a whole circuit for like the smaller towns in Quebec and there's like actually money to be made at these shows and events like two hours, three hours away from Montreal. Well, I now I guess it is. But uh, back then, back, back then, honestly, I think it was more... My friend, they were organizing the shows and they were booking their friend just to be able to chill and to kind of have this inspiration in our community, you know? That's so weird. I don't know I don't know if it was really uh, um, something like economically um, prolific, but um, it was amazing in what it did to my mind though. And uh, it made me want to pursue this as my daily life, you know? So. Big shout out to all of these beautiful people. Uh, but I guess that none of them, it's none of them actually opened doors to me. It's that they all inspired me to open the doors for myself, you know? Uh, and that's what I started doing and I'm still doing for myself to this day, you know? So I guess, um, yo, what's up everybody in the chat? Um, so like, so you're going through that run. So you're opening, you're getting, yo, what's it like to perform back then? What's the crowds like? I mean, we're talking about a completely different era of performing too. I would say they're similar to the punk rock shows. There's small shows, 100 to 300 people when you are in a cégep or a college or a, sometimes you have certain acts that are um, that are booked like in a nightlife, but these are the worst gig to do because people are there to dance and the type of rap we're doing, it's rap. It's actually not dancing music. If we were doing dance hall or something else, or singing over house music, maybe, but we're doing Nas and Racking style in in Drummondville, like in a French-speaking Quebecois community. It, no, it was not ad adapted to this. I think it became more popular when um, when Quebecois start doing it. That's and that's that's a sad thing, and that's what is an example of some sort of. Um, Maybe not racism, but close-mindedness, you know? Until, like, Eminem, they bro he broke a lot of barriers just because a lot of rednecks started, like, seeing themselves in rap music. Me, personally, I, I, I did not need to see a white rapper to feel myself spoken to in hip-hop music, you know? So, but um, I guess uh, for outside of montreal that's what helped the culture when there was um i mean i'm people from like, the region making it happen i definitely think that eminem made it a lot more accessible for somebody like in my world to get eminem too like my parents saw rap different after eminem 100 percent, and that's a truth and it's a sad truth but uh it's a truth 
Or like they would then add that filter of there's the good hip hop I'm allowed to listen to that they liked, and then there's the other hip hop that's scary. Which that one yeah. is still, if we're talking true, is prevalent to this very day. And if you watch like the underground, there's like this trend of this debate of what the good hip hop actually means. And a lot of times it really just depends on who's saying it and what their intentions are. Always, are obviously. Make... Yeah, I don't know. That stuff I feel really but, passionately um, about. That stuff. Yeah. So uh, big shout out to the culture that inspired me. The Black American culture, the Puerto Rican culture, the the North American ghetto, those who have been oppressed systematically and have created a channel and a voice to express their originality and their unicity. Um, well, I'm, I have mad respect, honor, and love for you. I try to give back to the same virtues and qualities and disciplines as what I was taught and given. And uh, I keep the, the wheel rolling. New generations are doing magic with this beautiful culture. So blessings, 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 and gratitude to all the pioneers of this culture. I love the way you approach life, man. It makes sense how you're like who you are. It really does. Just the way you approach it. When you hear it being told, and this is like super interesting shit. Like your whole perspective, like the way you articulate, it's really a blessing to hear it. But let's wow. say, well, nah, man, I'm telling you, like, cause you got, you're, you're an orator. <clears throat> it's like, I don't know how else to put it. Like saying you speak well, didn't feel like fancy enough. <laughs> so like, um, but yeah, let's run it back then. So you're still doing this shit. You're part of this like budding underground Quebec hip hop culture. And you're effectively, if you go to wrestling terms, kind of playing the jobber role as the opener. So you're really doing your part in, in a really cool but and humble way. Not to say I would you. say at that point, at that point, I was having small personal accomplishment, but I was not big at all. I was disregarded in many places. I was like a hustling to be known you know and um but to, just to make sure that the picture is correct i was not like already like it's just that like everything when you're true and honest there's people in every scene that you will connect naturally with you know but even if they're older than you or, or your age to, you like, know but um run like a hierarchy of, so but yeah but if we like ran everybody that's like out there and we really 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 thought about it you're still like just on a chronological front part of that initial that that era like you're part of it even if it's not like you're the leader of the pack it still requires everybody to be there in every capacity to move it forward the way that that's why i'm so happy at how many people are part of the scene you know now it's like you need a lot of people in the scene to make 100%. it a scene so i do think it's really cool that you were there at that time and that you're still here today doing it and it's that like you know tenure that like really creates that legendary status to me but still so you run well, that like part of it what kind of comes next you said you started to create your own opportunities so like what were some well it's just that i'm uh, i moved to one of my friends that i started listening to hip-hop with that he was also a weirdo he was like a spiritual minded is his, his mother uh is a blessing like she was really inspiring in her, her way of living her life and her philosophy. And so basically us two weirdos, we connected really well and we moved together to Longueuil to pursue our dreams, you know? So um, 
that's what it happened. Uh, the group I had kind of faded out and um, I came to Montreal. I came to Longueuil. I was working in the industrial neighborhood of Longueuil. And every weekend I was going to paint in different back alleys, different legal spot, different illegal rooftops, different collaboration, people I was meeting. And uh, I met these uh, passionate graffiti artists from South Shore. And we created a crew called uh, HUV, which is uh, Hold Up Visuel, <clears throat> like visual hold up. And it's a sire and C-Rack. But later on, we met uh, us T1, who was coming from Sherbrooke, and we created a new crew called the K6A. And um, DJ Magnanimous in the chat had K6A time. So I was waiting for yes, you to say that. The, these are the beginning of the K6A. That's 2001 type of era wow. where us T was were rapping in English. Um, we had different philosophy. Us T1 was like, like breaking the city, you know, it was cause so while me, I was on my philosophy tip and exist continual existential crisis. And uh, some other were more in the styles and other things. But these are amazing area that created me that in my raps, I still talk a lot about these eras. I still talk honestly about adrenaline feelings and um, fellowship feelings that come from um, from that era and time. Um, and then that's it. It grew from there. K6, like, we were it? four. So, yeah, what's it like to be in that scene? Like, you got to understand a lot, a lot of us maybe can't really fully picture what it's actually like to be involved in that universe. Okay. Uh, for us, it was, um, for me, it was doing trains. I was having missions, certain spot where I felt comfortable to go paint trains illegally. So to me, one of my things that I really loved was chilling, smoking, painting, freestyling around train tracks and um, abandoned buildings and yards. So I was spending time, every time I was not at work, I was spending time in these opportunities, painting, taking pictures, uh, going to graffiti festivals, uh, going to art exhibition, uh, drinking, smoking, painting, collaborating, exchanging, uh, learning from the older brothers, older sisters already established, um, already creating. I was painting already. I was searching for different styles, different way of expressing. So I was drawing a lot. I was tagging a lot. I was, um, that was my early phases of calligraphy, what we call the hand style, like a graffiti hand style, your signature, your tag was my beginning into calligraphy also. So I guess that's what it was like for me. It was like being with the brothers, being with the sisters, exploring the city, uh, climbing on in, onto new rooftop, um, knowing where the entrance, the secret uh, building, uh, like all of these things were really interesting to me and going to create and give a second life to parts that have been abandoned and deemed dead you know so i would say that was my inspiration but then on the other side i started meeting a musician so i would or rappers started building with maybe watson with lopeshi um 
so I was also going in studio now, bigger studios. Uh, we came up with a, a single called Comme Tout est Rien that came out in 2003, I think. So it was the beginning of K6A, uh, 2004. And that was with uh, <coughs> now Watson being in, in, invested, but also um, Filigran being closer, I think. Filigran was a bit later, though, I guess. But um, these these were what I was doing. I was doing music with Lowe's, Lowe's and Watson, painting with Sag and C-Rack, and developing my portfolio. So when a lot of people were going to party, I was less into party. I was really like finishing my day, like what I'm still doing today. I was finishing my day of painting, sketching for the next day, the next idea, writing the verse. I was never stopping. I was creating something. And that's why I needed to have many medium because when I finish doing a graffiti, I don't want to do a second graffiti. I want to keep creating, but I need something else. So I create a poem or I create a, a clothes, a clothing, or I create a new logo. Oh, when or did you start getting into creating clothes? Man, from so early, that's what make it supernatural, you know? That's make it part of my story in a deep way. It it's intertwined like the textile of my early days. Um, my mom was creating everything. She was creating my clothes. She was cutting my hair. She was painting our paintings in the house. She was collecting an antiquity, like, a, and I don't know if it's antiquity, the word, like a, a uh, antiquities. 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 Yeah. Like a old, yeah, old, old artifacts. She had a cactus collection. Um, so my dad was really more like the philosophy, oh, the antiques. ethics. Maybe antiques. 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 Exactly. It is. Right. Shout out Bonnie, my girlfriend, for correcting me. <laughs> That's fresh. So that these are the antiques. Is it? Is it English your first language? Yeah. I barely. Okay. I mean, I speak French like functionally. Like at a certain point, as an Anglophone, you go, "Oh, I actually want to make money in some capacity in this province," and there's only one way to do that because at a certain tier of life, if you can't at least start the meeting in French. Like people are so forgiving, like there. But there's a guy at my work where if I walk into the room and I speak English first, he won't talk to me. I just got to be like, "Salut, okay," and then I can speak in English. But I at least have to start it in French, and he'll well, that's it. And I'm like, and that's cool. And then like, but the truth is, is like they are a lot more willing to have me involved in projects. The one because I can, and, and my, our head office ended up being in France after a merger. So the advantage of being able to speak French to the France people has been like hella advantageous, you know, like, so like along the way, I kind of fell in love with the language and hated the politics more, but it created a divide. So like yeah. the language is a beautiful language and is worth knowing the politics is what they is, but French is sexy as fuck. Yo, if you have that French English accent, it's only in your advantage. Well, I guess, um, obviously beyond romance, I guess to me, it's about human beings. So connecting to human beings, regardless what is the, the native local languages, everywhere I go around the world, the first action that can demonstrate gratitude, it's to know them and to show them 
that you're ready to make mistake and mispronounce anything for the intention of showing love and gratitude and that open doors. So yeah, obviously that's what happens with French and I don't like the politics, but I like that human facts, you know, like uh, come with good intentions at people's house, uh, consider and recognize who they are and where they come from. And that's not only for the settler. That's obviously not the idea, but for everyone around, you know? So to me, it's not about the French. It's about the human beings and mm. what they are attached to and how they feel they identify to something, you know? So if they do identify through Putin, then I'll take an effort to understand their love for Putin, you know? And if they are through a certain species of fish, at a certain season, then I'll I'll see how I can connect to that in a different way, you know. But um, I think it's a beautiful thing to use language as a, a benevolent connector, and this is something that I really love love about uh, benediction, uh, which is blessing. I think is is there a word for benediction? benediction. I feel like benediction, benediction is a word, but I don't know its definition offhand. So benediction, it's a blessing, but in the construction of the word, it's bene, which is good, and diction, which is diction, which is your, your way of speaking. So a benediction, a blessing, is a, it's your utterance. So it's your way of speaking the world, the world around you. You know, you create magic with your word. So what do you create with your word, you know? So benediction, so blessing, blessing, benediction to everyone, bendiciones a todos y todas. Yes, wildly interesting. Yo, but in my experiences, I work with Ukraine, and honestly, I just needed to say privyet really badly, and they like it, that was enough. It's not even like a lot of words. It's just saying hi. Just learning hi sometimes is enough to like put a little effort in. I like what you're saying. Super important stuff. And I think it's like, especially as the world becomes more globalized, like in my company at work, there might be like 25 countries represented amongst what 150 people right now, which is wildly cool. Okay. It's super Montreal. If you think about the multiculturalism of it, but, um, software has a lot of immigration. So it's like, you kind of realize right quick that like, there is just a lot of cultures and it's just way cooler to, to learn about them. Like I learned so much about Mumbai just because there's so many people from it's cool like you're like say a word mumbai sounds awesome it's apparently way cleaner than montreal <laughs> you know just shit like that it's like nifty to learn anyhow um 100 i'm with you and to me this is humans human connect through dialogue and communication and to me art always been the the way to communicate and i think to do the full circle we're speaking of my of uh my entrance into fashion or clothing well my mom because she was creating everything she was bringing me at four five six eight years old to the store to choose my fabrics and the, the what i wanted to look like you know she was creating her own patterns and everything so i guess from then i was already kind of different when i was in school with my favorite cartoon embroidery by my mom in the front and my name in the back of my pants i'm different you know so i kind of always wanted to keep that difference alive and present you know 
So I think that's I'm in a place where in my life now that I feel good about my capacity to be fly without having logos or the less logos possible and to give that money into the hands of a real artist and someone that is really crafty and invested and not a multi-billion uh, corporate uh, fashion industry, but really to actual people that create unique pieces uh, that I could wear like if I was me, myself, a gallery, uh, walking Shit. with art piece as clothes draping me. But um, I guess that's the megalomania or the, the, the amplitude, the size and the scale of how I see creativity, creation, and the artist and the role of the artist. We need to be different. We need to be different. Honestly, I love everything you're saying. And I mean, for me, like a lot of this show is to bow my own ignorance. It's part of why I started talking to people. And then I got blessed to link up at the end of the week and start going through the New York City version of this, which in a lot of ways taught me a lot about, I guess, just a completely different way of living. Because New York City and Montreal, don't they're not the same vibe. <clears throat> but um, I didn't know how important fashion was and style was to so many people because for me it was never really like the most important thing. But then you start looking around and noticing it and one of the things about you that has always stood out across all your media has been like the the fashion elements that you bring in and if you think about what's really important in new york it's often distinction it's first and only like you kind of want to have the only version of that shit that you can get or at least the fewest number of people can get it too and in a sense you've managed to take that and bring it again to a masterful level of like because you have wow. an iconic style like you can put on your 2009 music videos and maybe it's more calmer it's still stylistically similar or the the way the hood's up the hood is always up or some shit like or often up these these are little things that you're almost like an avatar in a video game and i think it's important because Wow. There's a lot of connections between hip hop, wrestling, comic books, and a lot of these things. And so in a sense, mm -hmm. like it's almost like you try to create the best version of yourself through the artist and put that out into the world. Like you try to on camera, I'm trying to be the ideal in my head of who I am. It's not fully who I am. And I try to bridge that gap every day. And so I feel like that's that's kind of like a way to take it to the next level. So when I see like what you're saying and then you're like, I'm like, say a word. Why have I never thought to like find a person who makes clothes I know and offer them $40 to see what they, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure there's somebody that would be like, yo, just cover the fabrics. I just want to do it. Like those motherfuckers be all over. Yeah, or, or just, but even we're already doing it. When you choose your glasses, when you choose your, what you're wearing, it's just that. Um, there's there's different reality about fashion in different part of the world, you know, like like the, the way I'm dressing right now, if I'm dressing like all out like this, it may put me in danger in certain situation in Mexico. The way mm. I travel in Mexico, there's a certain moment where I could I can be like my full explosive artist uh, vibe, but there's other places. This is the reason why. 98% of the men are all dressed in all black 
because no one wanted the outside of the crowd to be targeted by by all of the fucked up re that is happening you know so to yeah. me it's also a cry of freedom and a privilege to be able to dress the way i'm dressing so i don't take it for granted i'm i i take it with the a philosophical approach to it you know and an economical approach to it uh, there's obviously a stylistic approach to it but it's not the only style economically i feel it's the best place to put my money in you know i'm all about i like symbolism anything that means something i can lead it and the more things you can pack into a meaning the more i like that and the fact that you go that deep with it it like it's cool i feel like the world needs people to think that deeply about things because, you know, sometimes you even feel within yourself, you're thinking deep, and then you hear some shit like that, and you're like, fuck me, I have to think different about clothing. Why? Because Monkey put it out there. How could I go back after that? Like, that's that's the kind of person I try to be. I don't know exactly how it manifests. Well, the, well, but well like, I think it's a, a good thing, not in the way of uh, copying, but in the way of opening eyes to other possibilities. This is what artists have made for me all my life. All of the rappers, they've told stories that help me conceive how you can tell a story, you know? So I feel you. I try to live my life, and I do hope that I'm living my life uh, like this also, you know? Every conversation, every trip is an opportunity to be a life-changing moment. If you're listening enough and if you're present enough, it will change your life, you know? So I'm with you on that, 100%. All right, so let's run it back to, like, 2003 ish you said five mm. or whatever that era so you're kind of at that point really ingratiating into the early scene i guess that's like when the english scene starts to come to life a bit more too um at at this point there's um there's a group have you heard of uh, nine majesty i think i've heard the name but you should probably just run who they are still <clears throat> so nine majesty was kind of like a wu-tang crew uh with low pesci apocalyptic I know what the um, fuck this is because somebody sent me their fucking project. I, I fucking swear I listened to this project. <laughs> I listened to their 2003 or 5 project like fucking two weeks ago. I think it's 2005 or 4, 2004 or something. I, I So I do know what this is. That's what. It, I, wow, that's context. That's wild. Anyway, go on. Sorry. So, so Watson was maybe Watson because he was making music with Lowe's. And I, I was starting to make music with Watson and being produced my beats by Lowe's. So I was kind of like the side French act uh, beside what Nine Majesty was doing in English, right? And um, and then that's it. Uh, we recorded Le Remedium on which maybe Watson has like six featuring or something. And on Remedium, you could already see uh, Nine Majesty, you know, Apocalyptic is making a lot of the beats. Uh, Narcissist is on two songs, I think. Um, Lowe's is producing most of the beats. Um, so you could already see who I'm hanging out with. You know, Watson has like six featuring. I think uh, Jam is there. I think Filigran has a verse on there. I think uh, when Le Remedium came out, uh, we have the, tr the track Notre Genèse, like our Genesis. And I invited a lot of these influent uh, brothers to come to come share on on this album. So Le Remedium, I feel was uh, was 
to me it was special because it was the it was more than me you know i was help it was the time of a new generation i feel there was kind of like um a, a, a low tie you know uh, in rap cab at a certain time and i feel not me necessarily but my wave the Corias of this world, the Ken Lowe's, the the maybe Watson, the I don't know. You can see them there on the album, but I felt there was there was that new thing coming up, you know. Um, yeah, so I guess that's uh, Love Medium came out in two thousand and five, um, and I still hear about it. I think it was a good album. I think. Uh, aesthetically, some stuff were missing, as far as the music itself. But uh, I think the the content and the purpose is still super relevant. Like 15 years later, 16 years later, um, I had a song called I had a song called Esprit de Combat, which is amazing because it fits with our the story I'm telling you. And Esprit de Combat was done with uh, Kamikaze, right? like a uh, Yamakaze type of. Were called fast motion. They were a crew of um, extreme sport stuntsmen. And Mathieu Ledoux, which was the brother I left Romanville with, that was his crew. So my first single as a music that was shown on Music Plus and all of this at the time it was super hard to be on television. Well, they showed my music. Uh, uh, I think it's Malik Shahid. He actually played my music back then at the hip hop. And it was Esprit de Combat which is produced by Stack Money, uh, amazing producer. We can speak about him at a later, uh, at a later moment. Yeah, that's that time, 2005, Esprit Combat. Big shout out to everyone. Man, you're basically out there. You're on Music Plus. You're, you're pushing, involved in giant projects. You're doing all kinds of stuff while I'm in high school. Like, it's it's wild to me to hear that. Like, for real. Like, like for me, it's like everything y'all did basically creates like a lane that allows me to be here today. You're all like part of that. You know, so like there's a lot of gratitude because I don't get to sit here and be in this scene and rap with you in an alleyway a couple of weeks back if it isn't for all the shit that y'all doing yep. over here, which leads to a That's lot crazy. of that stuff that explodes in like 2008, 12, etc. You know, like, so, yo, it's huge, you know? It is. I feel it, it's huge. I feel it's uh, I feel it's uh, shown that it's huge. I, I think loud loud the rapper like uh, i think he's an example the success that he's having he's from that generation he's like a little bit after me in his slice of generation but uh, he's like kind of the same wave you know we were all rapping kind of together in the same circles but um it made us you know so i don't know i feel i feel proud of it i, I feel proud of the choice i made where i'm at like i'm an og now and I feel I'm not like a, a, a resentful or bitter OG. I'm actually a proud, hyperactive um, OG. And I do believe I remain relevant because of the new generations, you know? Like, because what we're talking about, you're saying you were in high school. I, w I was 23. So I was still young and I was already producing my, my I was, because it's one thing to be an artist, but it's another thing to be produced, you know? Like when, I mean, like being on a label, I, I didn't, have any labels i was 23 and i was funding all of my project all of my studio all of my masterings printing all the copies and i was all funding this already at that time through my paintings since i'm 17 i'm making my funds and my money with my paintings when i was 19 this is when i stopped working 
on the south shore of Longueuil, and I start traveling. When I was 19, I oh, went to Brazil. How did you do that? I went to Brazil. I was invited to be part. I was painting at Café Graffiti. Café Graffiti were asked to uh, do a selection of seven Quebecois artists to go represent graffiti at uh, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And they selected me. I was the youngest of the selection. And my employer didn't want to give me my days off, my weeks off. So I quit the job. And uh, I never had a, a work outside of being myself the the owner and and i don't know and so, so, so you go to brazil at 17 yeah. to paint i was at that time no no at that time i was 19. Okay, at that time i was 19. i was already now. in longueuil for the past two years and then i get selected to go there and uh, i'm 19 i'm going there i've come back i don't have work and i start hustling a bit more since I'm 17, I already make side side money with graffiti. But now at 19, I say, okay, it's my full job. Let me make music and make uh, paintings as a full job. And um, yeah, I never stopped. And to me, that in itself speaks uh, louder than the small amount of views that I may get and streaming, you know, because it's in the people, it's in the culture, it's in the intertwining of of our our experience and my generations but i think something i heard you say that was super interesting on the glock party podcast was that there was this realization or something or maybe i'm remembering it in not perfect wording but you kind of realized that you had to make the money to create the art that you want to retain autonomous so in a sense if the music maybe wasn't going to pay you right there had to be things coming in that like kind of just solidified your autonomy in which case the, the the artwork worked out for you for that. It's a lot of why I kept my day job because I can kind of do what I want with art because that, that's how I pay for it. <laughs> like, so to me, it's like, um, it's super interesting that you, you approach it like that and that you were like able to, to kind of make that connection, but to just do it off of art entirely is fucking gangster because that's like a level of like, I don't know. I guess there's like that there's a chord to like having a job where there is that stability and you can do a lot but then i think about your life and a lot of the adventures you got up to and it's like nah maybe there's something more to like the not having a job version of this and figuring out how to actually make the money off of that version of it <clears throat> i do believe our lives are intersection and you choose to risk you choose prudence and risk at different timing. And that's how you get what you get of your investment. Mm. And I chose a lot of time risk. I was all in on my life, you know? So I guess it's a cyclical leap of faith. You are asked, is it really the life you want? You receive a death threat for no reason. People cross your mural and write 187 will kill you, whatever it is. Uh, someone diss you in a battle rap or you don't get chosen for the album you want it to be, whatever it is, man. It, I do believe it's, um, this is what strengthened me. It's just to jump every time. And I heard myself, I made mistakes, but at least I was playing, you know, I was in there involved in publishing, you know, publishing philosophy, publishing, uh, 
criticism of the world, pu publishing uh, alternative knowledge, publishing gratitude and good vibes, publishing colors and proportions and shapes. Um, so, yeah, I started early. It was important for me. That's what I wanted to do in life. So at 19, for me, it was like, I can't take this anymore. I need to produce art seven days a week, not two days a week, seven days a week. So that's it. And I knew at that point I was magnetizing enough attention and I had enough knowledge of my capacity and my talent that I was not scared. I was actually, yes, my, my dream life is starting, you know? And it's also because I came from not having, I came from couch surfing as a, uh, as a teenager, you know? So I didn't have anything. I didn't, I didn't need anything. I could continue to couch surf while I was hustling for my dreams. So I was living the dream life, bro. I was painting how, how much, and I was able to make enough money to have free time to just do what I wanted. And then the hustle became, now I need to be so strong and famous and known and respected and wanted that people don't want to have an illustrated idea with my skills, but of their idea, but they love my mind so much that now they are paying to have my ideas with my artistic aesthetic as an art piece that they invest money and time to keep and to protect, you know? So that that's what the, became, the hustle became at that time. 19 years old, 20 years old, I was still painting dolphins and, and fake gardens and back and like back houses to help for the birthday of some, but it was not necessarily all the time invested with my soul. And that became to annoy me. So at one point I decided to go away from these immediate contract and search for more representative um, opportunities for my soul to be always fully present, for my clothing style to be always present, for my beard and long hair to be always present, for my honesty and faithfulness to be always present. Like for, so these became priorities. And as an artist, you have a lot of leniency to recreate and to create and to defend your identity. Well, as a pawn or as a, someone more into a frame and a box, you have to respect that box. My box is breaking the box. So that's what I have to do all my life to be that person who is counter counter current, uh, still trendy, but counter trend, all of these things we need to develop. So to me, it became a research to become this at least once before I die, to be that print of truthfulness and honesty and work and investment and spirit. And I would say what I call uh, godly or what I call uh, the breath of life to kind of choose me as a channel to do a fingerprint of itself uh, in my generation, in my culture, in my community, in my surrounding, in my virtual publication. It's wildly entertaining to listen to you talk, but you also get the sense of, I can be whatever the fuck I want to be every time I hear you go on. And to Brazil, actually, I, I'm like, yeah. 
that yeah. was earlier. Brazil was like, I know uh, there's that something kind of that happened also. After. So yeah, I would just there's so to go many back things to that. that happened. What's Brazil okay, like? To, to which part? Yo, Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. What? What's that um, like? It was it was mind blowing. Um, that's also what gave me the confidence. Like my leap of faith was rewarded. I was around 300 artists from around the world in Brazil, and I was chosen to be on a second wall who was only gathering maybe 30 of the 300 artists. And they selected me to be on that second wall. And then there's a group that selected me to host me for an art residency in Rio de Janeiro. So my trip was extended. I felt love. I felt appreciated. I felt like the best artist in the world. I felt really like um, there was there was a, there was a future for me, you know. And um, Brazil was chaotic. Sao Paulo was chaotic. That was my first deep uh, connection with tropical poverty, with the third world, like like the immediate impressive like. I'm scared of my neighbor type of, type of vibe. And um, it was deep also. Uh, one of the things that really touched me is um, how people didn't care about the uh, North American standards of art. Like they were, doing, they were doing graffiti with rollers. Instead of using spray paint, they were doing roller graffiti. And they didn't care. They were doing it with so much pride and and knowledge that they were the shit you know they were not like oh we are inferior because no 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 they had like that confidence that made brazilian graffiti so popular you know one of the style of calligraphy that i use is still uh, influenced by uh, uh, brazilian graffiti and it's called pichação it's written p i x a c a o like pixacao uh, but it's Portuguese and it's pronounced Pichasau. And um, it's an amazing style of calligraphy that I still use nowadays. But uh, Brazil was crazy. What can I say? Like, it, I, it became my adrenaline rush, travel. Since that day, I did 71 international travel. So it became my lifestyle, you know? It became my everything. Oh, that's fucking, like... It's wildly interesting to hear you talk about it. I'm just like, shit, man. Going to Brazil at 19 to paint a bunch of walls. Then he's talking about how, like, there's different styles of graffiti around the world, which is another thing I never really think about. So I'm just kind of like, yo, the amount of stuff to, like, Google after this interview for me is already huge, <laughs> which is good. This is a blessing. Um, but, yeah, no. So you do that trip. And does that keep happening? Like, are you still involved in that after? Or is that, okay. like, a one-time thing? So that's what happened after. Um, while I'm doing all of these things, community painting, doing all of these things, well, I start uh, create um, kind of uh, hip hop gatherings, uh, ciphers, hip hop ciphers in Saint Michel, Quartier Saint Michel, and uh, there is uh, a group that is being created by Cirque du Soleil which is uh, established in saint Michel, And they create a group of five musicians to represent a bit urbanity of hip-hop. And they create in six countries, they do the same thing. So there's six 
group of five young 20 years old artists that are meeting in Australia for a show from Cirque du Soleil. So we were kind of coached to do a tour there. And, um, and I was selected. Um, and it's a group that we called Amérythme. Amérythme, like America's, but with rhythm inside. And it, it, it's me, Stack Money, who produced Esprit Combat and my first single. He was a producer that was producing for Sans Pression and people like this. But he was also a pillar of Montreal Graffiti. So for me to have him as my as the DJ and producer of this band, I could go do graffiti with him also, you know? So that's that was the idea. There's also an amazing singer called Esmeralda, also known as Sola, um, from Peru. So she was representing South America. And then a brother and a sister called Baby K and Chile that were from El Salvador. And us five were selected to go to Australia, which was my second professional trip in my life. And also my second uh, full studio album, which was Amerythm that I did with them, uh, that came out, I think, in 2006. So we're still in these years, you know, but the trip to... Um, the trip to Australia with Cirque du Soleil was in 2004, just before I did my first al album, Le Remedium. And then, and then I pushed Le Remedium. In 2006, I started go doing my back and forth in France. So I went to tour in France. I recorded a project called Tour de France with 7D and maybe Watson and 13 different featuring in different cities of France that I went and recorded uh, there, you know, not over studios, internet, or none of that stuff. And that's it. So 2006 was that. And also a group called Nomadic Massive. I don't know if you know them. I've heard that name before. Nomadic Massive, they're still active, and they are a pillar of, uh, of Montreal, and they are a beautiful example of our diversity, you know, uh, musically, culturally, uh, philosophically even. But... um they are kind of like big brothers and big sisters. Like they were already making events happen. They're maybe like three years older than me, but it's kind of significant when you're 23, like they're 26, 27, they're already having thing more on lock, you know? So they were a lot, my example on how to move at that time. And, um, I was, I went with them in 2006 at the La, La Havana hip hop symposium, which was the hip hop, a festival of La Havana in Cuba. So 2006 was already two trip in the same year. Uh, I was already recording, finishing. Yeah, I feel like of everyone I've talked to, you have clocked the most traveling at this point in your life. It's possible, but it's not even the objective. To me, the objective is I'm probably going to be one of the human that has published the most as far as all of my medium included, hopefully, uh, God willing, inshallah, um, I produce good work and not just quantity, but hopefully I also have good qualities. And I think I do, even if we always have to be better and, and upgrade, you know? Yeah. But, um, but I think the traveling 
Probably. The has. traveling is everything, bro. And then like, I miss traveling. I'm gonna start crying now. It's the longest I've been um, deprived of my nomadicity. Uh, it's in the last ten months. So um, I'm going back on the road. I'm leaving soon, and I miss traveling. It's an entire part of who I am, and I feel deprived from a part of myself right now. I can definitely empathize with the sentiment of that, but I guess I was going with it. Like, I think it helps kind of keep with the relevancy that is monkey. Like you are interesting. I have not heard a person say your name and not get that same level of like, he's an interesting guy. Never negative. Always just like mesmerized by the character in a sense. Not to say that it's like fake, but like, like you said, it's like to take your artistic self and blend it with your real self as much as possible to like create this essence of who you are. And so like, honestly, man, it's just fucking inspiring. And then I, I, I gauge a lot based on how people speak about people, right? Like, is it's the more interesting parts than how people speak about themselves, but like, Yo, I ain't ever heard a person put dirt on it. Everybody knows Monkey does his thing. Like, if you were a primarily English MC, it would be damage on this side of the scene. Wow. Well, I would say I have a different experience. And often it's crazy, but maybe this thing is having us all paranoid, or I don't know. But I often feel that uh, one bad comment or one uh, conflictual encounter is representative of a collective deeper feeling sometimes. Sometimes I feel I'm not for everybody. I think that's the thing. And that is not negative. That is okay. It's okay to not, I'm not for everybody. I'm, I'm different. Like there's certain type of food that are peculiar. People that love that type of food, they really love a lot that type of food. But if you haven't been, maybe it's not for you, you know? So I, I know that, but why would you talk shit? against that meal or that type of gastronomy right that's where i think it's hard i know that i know there's haters but i think it's also a blessing bro it means we're moving things and that's what i said earlier as an artist i need to try to break boxes at least a bit you know so i definitely think a lot of haterism um stems from jealousy right to me that's the real mark of being a hater there has to be this component of jealousy attached to it and there is, if you're feeling insecure in your life, much to be jealous of, of monkey's success. It's not in a negative way, but because you have done so much that's impressive. Like I watch you do mural after mural. I watch you perform at things. I watch you get the crazy things. Yo, the way Olivier Bro speaks about you, bro, like, I don't think he speaks about that about many people on earth, right? Like, like these are um, cosigns that are like fucking, you know, at the end of the day, you're looking uh... at it like... You're sitting there going like, hmm, either you're going to be like, how do I be like more like monkey? Or maybe if you're not feeling the same energies in life, you're going to be like, fuck monkey. Exactly. Like, and it happens too. Sometimes we're allergic to certain things, you know, but uh, hey, life is beautiful because there's a lot of diversity. You're not forced to like, you know, those people, I would say those people that are watching this, they have an interest, you know, in me and I the love is mutual the reason why i'm cool it's because of who's around me you know that's one thing that i stopped maybe it's outside of the topic but i felt sometimes you don't know how to take compliment or you don't know how to 
be humble. You know, humility has been a huge challenge all my life. How are you confident and out there, but remain humble? It has been a challenge all my life. I've failed many times in finding the proper place to state my philosophy and to affirm who I was and to actually uh, be a pest and be a, a destroyer, you know. But um, I do believe that there's false modesty in me saying that I'm not awesome. So I'm not saying that I'm not awesome. I know that I am awesome. But the thing that me being awesome is not because of me. And it's the reason why I can't pretend I don't know I'm awesome is because of the quantity and the density of awesome people that are around me. Look at all the featurings on my album. Look at all the collaborations on the walls I paint. Look at all these people. If I cannot recognize that I'm awesome, then I'm disrespecting their awesomeness, you know? So I do believe we are awesome. I do believe we are awesome and we are doing awesome things. All of us around that we are proactive, getting better, getting more technical, learning new ways. I think we are the truth. I think we are the future, the present. And uh, if we stay connected to the past, then we are authenticity and avant-garde. And that's what I want to be. That's what I want to become. I want to become a walking avant-garde channel of pure creativity in all medium that I will touch. And this is ambitious. And maybe I will not reach the peak I want to reach. Or maybe I'll reach further. But I love to throw myself in a precise direction like this and work to achieve my objective and manifest my visions to have them tangible in my life, you know? Like my network, that is awesome. Like you and your show and, and the people that are listening, you know? I know some people in the chat or, or after that when we'll share parts of this is because they have an interest and me, all the, what I'm sharing is the collectivity of conversation and dialogue I had with my creator through the amazing and awesome human being that was presented through my journey, invested in newness and traveling and art and painting and poetry. So, yeah, man, I, I mean, at that point, it was kind of like the breakthrough point, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007. Maybe it was somehow my peak. Maybe later on in the future, we'll say it was some sort of one of my peak, you know. But it was definitely um, an energy that a lot of people speak to me about, you know. That energy, that part of my journey impacted a lot of people. Yeah, I can see how it could be perceived as a peak, but that, to me, I feel like, I don't know, man, 40s look like that's when the baller shit happens. Like, everybody's, like, greatest era is in their 40s when you're, like, really running your shit. Maybe after your 40s, fine. Your body starts to give up on you. It's not exactly the same thing. But I feel like, nah, the best years are still to come. That's something that's got, because, like, I'm, like, I'm a better artist than I used to be. I don't know if I'm a better rapper than I used to be, but I'm fucking better as an artist. I'm like, I live better. I, My priorities are better. Like, yo, health matters now. I remember when health didn't matter. Now health's important. You know, like shit allows me to think stronger, dream bigger, and achieve greater things. 
just because I'm getting older. So I feel like as long as you keep the health part in order, you can achieve great things forever. Well, I'm, until you I'm with you. I even like my vision, we define our reality and I'm painting for my reality to have my best and most potent and memorable work to be the last work I'll produce Oof. because I'll be able to paint. I'll be able to do poetry. Even if I can't interpret or paint them myself, the intellectual vision is what gives heart to the great artist. So I will be able to still create and invent things that will shape and impact reality of others. And I'm looking forward every day of my life. I don't look at my peaks as um, only nostalgia. There are also lessons. I do believe the album I'm going to publish now is probably my best musical uh, project in my life. So I feel I feel good about uh growing even now you know like to me yeah so but there's a lot still happening that's a lot that there's that happened between 2007 and now there's a lot that happened but i do believe it was a beginning of that cycle of traveling the world meeting people there was one big event that kind of add a parenthesis and a pause into traveling. I stopped traveling for about four years, four or five years. What happened? I, uh, we, uh, we were a group of thinkers and we enjoyed doing philosophies and research and poetry and spoken word events. And, and um, we bought a, a library uh in um bought a library Saint -Henri. like a library library in Saint -Henri. i think so like where to sell books oh okay a bookstore sorry a bookstore so yeah library so, would be like where you borrow the books and then bring yeah, them back no. well it, so we got this uh bookstore and transformed it into a library where we were doing three spoken word shows uh, think tanks, uh, food gatherings, painting gatherings. It was called OCL. And um, I spent a couple of years of my life being deeply invested in learning laws and politics and the Bible and, and Hebrew and ancient Greeks and, and philosophies and history and, and gene genealogical tree and like just being into knowledge of self, knowing how the constitution is made, knowing how the laws work, knowing how justice is understood, knowing who I am into all of this, knowing who my ancestors are, um, knowing who my neighbors are. So really knowing self. And uh, into those years, I was really disciplined in a lot of uh, areas of my life. Um, so I stopped traveling for those years. I mean, you just described one of the coolest things I ever heard of that I didn't know could be done. Because, yo, man, I read all those books. They're not just there. Like, bookstore shit is wildly cool to me. Reading books and shit, that's my jam right now. And the idea of combining that with everything else I love and encouraging. Yo, because to me, reading is, like, 
wildly underrated like it's not an audio book it's not there's something and yo i'm really into the physical word on page i don't even it's honestly like i am pro technology until we talk books and then for some reason i can't give up the paper and it's like that's the only reason my life changed because it wasn't just like the body shit it was those books man i just crammed knowledge into my head and it changed everything because you start to like understand how the laws work and justice and you just yeah, then it's like you can, you know what it really changes is the sensationalism of media doesn't slap the same. You're just like, nah, that don't make no sense because of, and you have these examples in your mind to kind of like, I guess, fight back against the conditioning that goes on via media sources. 100%. Preach, preach, preach. Like, I had preach. this like real experience that like fucked me up for a second. I was at the elliptical at the gym for it was 2016. It was right around the Flint, Michigan shit. And Obama was speaking every day at lunch. And I, there was no word. It was no sound. It was just the transcript of Obama talking every day at lunch while I'm working out. That guy speaks a lot of fluff is what I learned. Like, he doesn't say a lot when you read Obama talking at lunch while you're working out. And it's like this kind of shit changes me. Because you hear him talk and it's like, wow. You read his words and you're like, yo, that speechwriter is so... It's like those, like ads on youtube when dudes trying to tell you how to spit game for 45 minutes that's what it felt like after a while and yeah. i'm like that's why to me reading is like the shit and uh the idea of a bookstore where you can you know, i didn't even know that's possible you know well, like well actually let, let, let me bring you into a phase we were speaking on uh earlier but um we were speaking on me when i was 16 traveling with my bigger bros you know and one of the tape that really marked me was the black star album of uh, talib kwali and most death and um oh why am i saying all of this we're talking of bookstores and yes thank you well what did they do after their album with the money of the album i do not know well you do know. You just said it. You put it in the bookstores? Exactly. That's what most Def and Talib Kweli, I think in Brooklyn or somewhere in New York, they bought a bookstore. So to me, in my imaginary, it was something that was possible. That was even the biggest flex. Instead of buying a car or, Bro, or a chain. It is a flex. No, but no, not, not, not in the idea of being a superficial way to no, flex on something i'm saying but it's just a way to it's so uh, cool like it to me the idea because to me the idea of cultivating a space to encourage reading in a doper way than 99 percent of the way they do because you know, like coals and chapters is just doesn't make me want to pick up a book there are better vibes that could exist to make me really want to pick up a book is all i'm saying so i contribute to that is, is actually really cool but anyway to me, like that's a flex. It's like to create culture, to create a vibe, to create like a space. The host culture, yeah, the host culture, to be a housing. Fair enough. I felt like, like this. I felt like this. No, I'm just talking about me. If I can translate that for me, that would be that. But um, you know how I was talking of how hip hop uh, answered a lot of things in my life? Well, at that moment, um, these projects and ideas and fights and wisdom and knowledge exchanges, they, they were 
everything. They are still, I'm still digesting the depth of how deep our lives are, you know? Like, to me, this is a moment where I peaked uh, spiritually. I would say that probably was my spiritual peak. It was the moment where all my life was dedicated to the spirit. Now I live in Babylon. I still pay taxes, go through go through the process of being a citizen, right? But once you take yourself out of the city or out of a certain context, I think you can regain a certain peace of mind. And I guess those books, that community, those poetry events, like consciousness, people that share a frequency and a vibrance, it's like you don't feel alone, you feel connected. You feel uh, hosted too, even if you're at home, if you have someone that bring you the best poem, you feel that this poem is giving you a housing, is giving you a roof to your consciousness, to your identity, to your being. So I'm really, really grateful for these moments, for people that were involved, for the teachers that were involved in these moments. Um, yeah, beauty, beauty, beauty. So I would say, then after that, it was like 2010, then I started traveling again. And then I took back a pace of traveling a lot and a lot more to Mexico a lot. I've been like 18 times to Mexico, seen more than half of the states of the 32 states in Mexico. I've painted there, I did music there. So Mexico became a, a geographical housing for me too, you know? Right. Just like I can't only build on one medium, I cannot only build in one city. I need to have these other pool of collaborators that I'm learning from, you know? I'm having a really, really important exhibition soon. Like, there's a lot of really important things that are happening soon. I feel I've been publishing my paintings and my regular stuff, but there's a lot of things that I've been organizing on a long term um, that are happening soon, that are going to synchronize soon. And um, I'm having a solo exhibition. And um, there's a lot of uh, new, there's news. I can't say now, but soon I'll be able to announce one of the most important collaboration of my life, which I would say the most important collaboration of my life for my solo exhibition. But I'm going to show some exclusive piece that I'm going to be exhibiting there if what? you want to. Of course we want. You don't? Yes. I just need to, I just need to see how I turn the camera from one side to the other, this, I think. You did? Yes. Oh, shit. That's cool. This is uh, Seize Rock. Sick word. I mean, I, I know the name more than I would recognize him. Wow. You're, like, wildly talented. Thanks, my brother. I was just watching the Bob Ross shit on documentary too, so my brain's in painting mode more than not. But that's like next level shit. Like in the versatility and just the like all the murals and stuff and like Yo, I don't know man, you just get you're just good. You're just am amazing at what you do in this like like, I don't know what to say about art shit, but it looks cool and it makes me want to look at it. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about, man? 
Are we done? Or are we talking about something else? Let me know. I mean, we could keep going. Except I'm always like kind of gauge it like that. I mean, to me, like you still in like the 2010-ish, and then you start like this decade of your life that happened. Oh, so let's okay. Let's talk about. I don't know. There's so many things, bro. I don't know. And that's the other side is there's so many things, but I don't know any of them really. Well, I have now. I have like 21 albums, like collaborative albums, solo albums. Um, every year for the past 20 years, I've published an album. This year is the first year I didn't, so I have those two new albums in my pocket. So I have like 19 albums out, but um. So we definitely have a couple of questions from the audience. Okay, let's go. That's good. Um, Do you make your own album art? My own what? Sorry. Like album art, like for your music. That's the thing. I've I've been part of like 19 uh, albums that I've co-produced or produced. And I have my face on zero of my cover albums. For me, I never wanted to put my face as, I thought it was vain to try to push my face. I felt that my art, my visual art was more communicative than a portrait of my face. So I, all of my all of my covers are my paintings. I painted all of my covers or it's a photography I took, but it's never a portrait of my face. I think the closest to a portrait of my face would be on Love Medium, my first album, I painted myself with a, ma- a gas mask uh, in on the cover, so you could see myself there painting. But uh, I was never me, like on the cover. Um, cool. To me, it's kind of to me, it's part of my branding. It's important Your album that I conceptualize and, and paint. And let's see, let's see. This is for the new album. That's what I'm working on. So I'm I'm into oil painting these days. Yeah. So it's called the Invincible Colors, and it's the sequel to um, Imperial Grey. Yo, that's so cool. Yo, what's your favorite way to make art? Oh, I would say. That's uh, that's uh, I'm not sure. Tell me more about your question. Yeah, like, Bonnie, what, be more specific in your question. There's still a couple of like, questions for sure. Is it like a, a medium it's being asked or a mind state? Or... Let's go with like within the realms of painting. Okay. What is the question then? I guess what's your favorite way to paint? in terms of hmm. like painting options. Uh, I don't know how to ask it more technically. Okay, maybe 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 it's a cliche and it's sad, but my first thought was like high. So, I like to smoke herb. Uh, I don't That's I don't an amazing I don't con- I don't consume really like entertainment drugs. I'm not into these things really, but uh, I'm a daily smoker. So, I prefer when I could freely smoke while painting instead of having to go out or not with that so yeah so if i could smoke backstage it's better than if i can't smoke at all but uh, maybe that's a a bit too ghetto 
I don't know. But uh, that's the yeah. first thought I had. It's that I love to be high. I love to smoke while taking my decisions. And um, I love the way you answered that. I'm not going to lie. I stopped going places to record and built it here so I could record here and smoke in the room. Oh, that's fresh. That's I mean, good, bro. I mean, even this. Once I started smoking weed during my content, I was like, I like doing it longer now. It wasn't as fun. <laughs> it was a different vibe. And then it just got more relaxed. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess the question is better defined as in both painting, mural, and also all kinds of art. If you had to choose like one, I guess, format of delivery of expression amongst your tentacles, which tentacle is your favorite tentacle? I would say I can't answer that. My best way to answer that would be the best way would be an hybrid and inter-collaboration of all of the tentacles dancing to the same beat. So I created an album called Couronne à double tranchant, which is double-edged crown. And um, it was 12 poem, 12 song, 12 art piece. So my favorite way of creating, it's that way. It's when many medium come together to be one medium, one idea, one concept, one channel with all of these different branches. So I would say that's what I prefer when all of my tentacles are welcome uh, in a project. Yeah, that's super nifty. I like the like conclusivity of it all. Um, I'm supposed to ask you about an Uder water. Uder water, bro. Who asked? Who asked? Is it magnanimous? Yeah, he's been here the whole wow. time too. He's like been riding with me since like six twenty or so. So like, amazing. Well, let me give flowers to Margo magnanimous. I think to me, he's um, he's actually part of one of the things that I want to. He's gonna be DJing from one of my most important gigs ever. And it's not important in size, but it's important in meaningfulness. Um, well, actually I can say it. The first part of it, I cannot talk about the entirety of okay. the project and the collaboration, but part of the co collaboration that has been confirmed is that <clears throat> I'll be doing a three hour live painting and one hour musical poetry set with Mark the Magnanimous for the Salvador Dali exhibition in the Old Port. Fuck, wow. That's wild. So to me, to me, that's super wild. To me, it is wow. amazing. And um, it seems to be growing. The collaboration will extend to something else, which is even a step more amazing. But um, Yo, see, monkey, this is the type of shit I'm talking about. Like, I'm sitting here trying to like figure out whatever, whatever. Monkey be like, bro, I'm in high fine art pieces with Mark the Magnanimous fucking busting Dolly. <laughs> like, yo, that's wildly cool. But yo, the other side of it is if you listen to like a lot of people's stories, there's always that person doing some crazy shit that just ain't been done where you at that makes a lot of other people do some wild shit that kind of elevates it all. Like, 
seeing you working with institutions and parks, seeing you pop up videos with five grant sticker fucking things at the end of them, seeing you do a lot of the things you've done is like wildly cool and inspiring to a lot of people and it just tells me that like there's no way you peak before that that's a that's well i mean maybe in travelings and shit it's whatever but that's a hella fucking peak thing for montreal yeah it is it is that's what i'm saying and that's i always on my road i always had confirmation that i'm growing i'm underground i'm maybe not as known as my accomplishment should uh reflect but there's a bigger undertone secret into that. I'm being built for something. What I'm going through is undeniable, uh, even if it's not proclaimed on all the roof. So I'm just going through it. But uh, I would say the Uder water yeah, uh, that, that Magnanimous was speaking about, the Uder water, was actually uh, an important school of thought of my development. Um, it's with Urban Logics. Urban Logics. Uh, at the studio, the Uder Water. He was there with uh, the royal peasants. And we had a lot of deep talks. Okay. And it's and it's together that we got the the bookstore that became OCL, that became uh, a political state in itself. That was the whole idea uh, of it. But um, mad shout out, Uder Water, all the people that came through Uder Water and OCL, uh, you have, they, they are the community that impacted my life. This is where I met all of the uh, cynical. I was freestyling with cynical at the Uda Water with Seas Rock with markings. Um, Yo, Vincent I Price mean, says he met you there. Yes, exactly. Shout out to Vincent Price. Yeah. Like, and there's plenty of people that I forget because Urban Logic was a pillar in the English rap and in the street life community, you know? So, Sure. I met a lot of bosses, a lot of influential people, a lot of people that became the pillar and the stars of our city. They were just like me in their in their growing stages, you know. Senegal is the world champion of end of the week, international world, EOW champion. We were freestyling together, scared of each other's power. We're always freestyling with so much love and empathy because we understood how both gifted we are we were and we still are today but i would say cynical is just one of the example of the people that highly impacted me there and um yes yeah, and markings was there too mark this is where i met markings uh, not markings uh magnanimous yeah that's really cool this is i met cynical for the first time a week ago yeah, it was a week ago in the park. Okay. He came First by. time, huh? Yeah. Yo, man, you don't even understand. I only started rapping in 2012. And uh, a lot of my career... Yeah, it was a weird time to start because it was very transitionary. And apparently I found out after a lot of the young bucks weren't being cool with the old people and it, and it created a little divide for a minute. Um, So I'm coming in with the kids because I'm too young for the old people. And uh, by like 2016, I'm like too old for like that shit but i don't know the things that i should have maybe known at that point so i just kind of fucking jump on youtube and migrate into this like pivot this internet game which okay all things considered was a really good gamble for like where things are going in the next decade but mm -hmm. it did have me almost completely like yo i saw event after event after event that would come at like some time where
I couldn't go. I had work the next day. And I had and yo, what I learned there, what I've done through work, I even got to travel through work, not like crazy, but I went to Pakistan for a month, right? Like so like the sacrifices to me were absolutely exactly like the moves to make for my life and whatnot. And uh but like I just I wasn't connected to the scene like that. I, I, I mean I ended up at like shit like Death House a few times and like I got to perform a lot at little places. But hip-hop karaoke might be, like, the most highlight of my shit as far as, like, actually getting involved in something. And then Big Bang Montreal, which is where I meet Mark the Magnanimous. And Big Bang Montreal is, like, one of the only real, like, places where, like, I could go that. And unfortunately, because it was the same day, the fucking one on uh, Crescent uh, next to Brutopia with a fucking crowbar. So Crowbar had the shit where Jay Uno would bust the sacks. And then there was Mark to Mike. And I knew about the, everything was on Wednesdays. So, like, you could really just go to, like, one. And, was it the Mike and Them Lights? Uh, sorry? It, it, was it called Mike and Them Lights? No, huh? I don't remember it was that on one. Thursday. It, it was at uh, L'Escalier, was it? It was. I know about Big Bang Montreal on Wednesdays at. Uh, okay, so apparently pre Big Bang, it was that what you're describing at OCL. Uh, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah. same, same. So urban logic still involved. Yeah, yeah. But yo, what's crazy is so I'm at hip hop karaoke. It's like 2013, and honestly, that year was blessed. I just kept going back, and all these college kids fuck with me heavy. Um, and then like I met <laughs> Logics in them. But like it was, it was Odd Man Black and Logics one time. I met yes. those two guys. They were like something, something. Blessings. We'll hit blessings, you up blessings. one day, right? So they hit. They're like, um, we'll hit you up one day. A fucking year and a half later, they hit me up, and I'm like, you know, because one day in your mind is like you forget about it, you know. So we met you at Hip Hop Karaoke this one time. Come through to Big Bang Montreal. We want you to be our feature person and do a 15-minute. And I'm like... Oh, that's so fresh. Say a word. And then I kept going back. And like I got my dude Oscar to come play guitar there sometimes. And it was like... The only environment I've really been in where I was able to convince my fully growing with kids colleagues to come out on a Wednesday was the only environment that I could convince them to come to because it wasn't so like alcohol party oriented. It was more like, well, let's watch our show kind of oriented. And so like that's recently, mostly because of Mark and he just keeps popping up, shout him out. But like that shit for me was like, honestly, like cool because at the same time, you're also in this environment where nobody's fucking paying attention to you. So you really just have to learn how to perform and like do your thing and like be comfortable with that and just like know that you're just there and it's almost like it was a vibe plus yo i had to be i couldn't stay past 10 30 11 so i gotta be there at like eight something even before they all fucking show up so when they put their damn list down i can be on the first one when i started doing the open mic it was like a fucking trip of discipline to be able to do that shit right yeah there were a couple times i did have to dip you know but like that's just kind of the grind and it was that was yeah. it but i didn't know of like anything else during that like 2014 15 ish kind of era until it kind of ends up stopping um but like I, I didn't know of anything else and maybe that's on me for not doing due diligences but like yes there was stuff like lecipher and a lot of this shit but it was all at 11. it was all later i couldn't do it all so like yeah. that time frame man i'm so grateful about big bang montreal that was lit like i yeah. could just get people i could bring a girl that you know like it was dope yeah 
Well, man, what can I say? I already t told you earlier that I feel it was the most uh, meaningful time of my life when we were really uh, exploring ways, you know, together. And uh, I still I still apply a lot of the lessons that I've learned from that era at that time, you know. Um, I sometimes... Uh, Sometimes life takes us through these, not sometimes, every time, I, I believe, life takes us through, through these unique journeys, you know, and that was part of my journey. That's one of the most impactful part of my, of my journey, which it was like when I met hip hop, that was another confirmation, meeting these, uh, these people, these consciousness, these vibes, these energies was uh, an answer to a prayer, you know, so there was a sacredness with everything that I've learned through these years, you know? And, I had no um, idea you were involved in that. Yep. Yeah, 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 I was proudly. Yes, thank you. Legit. I mean, that was blessed. That helped me get to where I am. It did for me too. Completely, 100%. I'm grateful for it also. A lot, a lot, a lot. And um, and that's it. In 2010, 2011, I came back on my traveling tip. And um, see, so where are some of the places that are the most interesting places you've traveled? I would say probably the most beautiful and virgin place as far as the nature would be New Caledonia, which is a small island between Fiji's and Indonesia, in the middle of nowhere. I went to Lille de Pain in that archipelago. Archipelago? Is that how you call it? it archipelago. Dude, it's, I don't know how to say it either. I know how Archipelago. 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 I don't really know how to say it. I'm... Well, this uh, amalgam of islands. Amalgamation. Amal anyway, yeah, yeah. we go that bunch of islands that close together exactly called new caledonia well there i would say i never seen anything pure like 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 this i mean everything was so untouched like one of the experience for example one of the things they do on the weekend instead of going into a park to chill they rent motorcycle or one of them as a boat, and they go into unknown desert island. They have like three or 400 of them around the main island where there's no house, no constructions there, but you can just park on the sand and choose that island. You bring your drink, your food, your music. So to me, that was a life-changing experience to have my own motorcycle in the water to go for 40 minutes, go chill on an island, another 20 minutes, go chill on a different island, and then, to see all these fish, these turtles, these sharks. And then you like, painted a mural of Vincent Price. I did. Yeah, he was telling Yo. me about this place. He told me about that earlier today. And I'm like, this place sounds familiar. And then he dropped it again in the chat. But That's amazing that he was there listening and participating man amazing i think you deserve it i'm gonna tell you the truth there's a pool of people that i feel deserve to be painted but i don't necessarily paint someone 
because I want to paint him at that moment. The photo that I screenshot, they represent moods that I have. And the photo of him, the portrait, was perfect. So I repainted him uh, there in New Caledonia. And uh, that's because I respect him. That's because I follow his social network. So I saw the picture of his portrait that inspired me, the idea and everything. But uh, this is something that I've decided to do early on, to use Instagram as a pool of information to paint my friends instead of painting people on Google image. So I go into the pool of photographers and artists around me to create my paintings. Wow. And um, that's one of the that's one of the pictures that I used, the one of Vincent Price. And I was really proud when I did it because I respect him a lot. And he's from the era of the Uder water and he's really meaningful to the shows that I did, the song that I did, the, the people that I know now. Like he's part of that same fabric of intertwined of artists and human beings. So Yo, Vincent. I think oh, this is the type of stuff I was telling you and your girlfriend I hear all the fucking time. Because I just told Vincent, this is what I hear about him in front of his girl. And I just, Vincent, I, you, you just got to see it. This is what it is. This is what being your boy is like these days. <laughs> so, but that's it. Who, who else? Is there more questions in the chat? Um. Yeah. Do you all have more questions in the chat? I might have missed something. I think I think I'll peace out if um because I'm a bit hungry and thirsty. But uh, um, if people give me the energy by asking a question or two, then I'll take that moment. But uh, then we will close the exchange. Understood, man. I appreciate it all. Um, we gotta give it a little bit. There's like a twenty thirty second delay before they leave. I know that's perfect, it. my bro. There's no stress. But even with that, so like yo, big up to you. I'll use this to send you your flowers. Um. I think it's awesome how when human beings fall in love with a similar culture than yours, when they start protecting and archiving a culture that influenced and built you and created you, I have a lot of respect. And you are one of these people. You are a warrior for the things you believe in, the culture, the, the craft. Um, and I respect that a lot, uh, the growth, the... You know, we are all we, we are all diamonds in a rough and the rough stay there if we don't work it out, sculpt it out. And um, blessings to you, man, for doing your work to sculpt yourself, to uh, get better and to big up to you, man. I know it's um, a level of vulnerability to uh, be an artist and to be a public person and a thinker. So uh, shout out to you, Majid. Yeah, I appreciate that for real. Like, coming from you, it's big, you know? Like, sometimes, like, you know, the words mean more from the different people that say them, you know? Uh, the main only question we got, and it was from both CB Mac and Ismail, um, you know who inspires me just to give him his flowers is Ismail. If anybody is there ever to say that nobody buys music, this guy got a job, and his first dedication was to purchase a project from Montreal every Friday. So, like, to me... As much as we do some blessed shit, like that is the VIP yeah. shit. Cause this is community stuff. This is investing in the people you believe in, investing in those who sacrifice themselves to speak, you know, and act and dance and produce. Yeah. yeah. It's wonderful, man. Shout out to Mel. 
And uh, basically their question was, can they buy your merch and do you have merch? Well, that's what I do. I always been kind of my game with making a good amount of money with my painting. It always became kind of uninteresting for me to sell a $10 CD. That's why I still printed my CD, but I never hustled my CD. They were more gift and exchanged and um, way to connect bridges when I was traveling to give to people. My idea was always more to sell bigger thing. You know, at one point at the beginning of my life, I was not selling any services under $300. So anything under that, I was producing and creating for free if I wanted to be part of it. But uh, I was not creating $50 t-shirts or um, so. And to this day, that's been kind of a mentality, bro. I get paid like I get paid like five numbers on murals, right? So it's hard after that to, tr to tr develop a strategy to go have four cents every time your song is streamed, right? It's like it's a lot of work and a lot of fucking investment for something small while in my painting the investment is immediate i make like i can make a clear gold like this because it exists it's in my hand like if it touched someone they could buy it and own it so there's a value to it you cannot own a song you know someone else yeah. so it's, it's the hustle is different you know it's super so i'm different. grateful I'm grateful. Kiaris one said something. Kiaris one said the the main way to have your music as authentic as possible is for it to not be your main income. And because you don't, won't make compromise to keep paying for your bills, you'll just keep on saying the things you need to say, knowing that you pay bills with something else, a different hustle. Facts. So. Uh, so I don't have a lot of small thing to sell. My derived product are unique pieces of art like these. And most of my work is sold in the four numbers now, you know, so I don't have small investment. I have like big pieces and meaningful pieces that you could get for a new house or for a new job or a new accomplishment or you want to celebrate uh someone who passed away or you yeah, want to like... remember someone or these are know. more the thing that i produced but um i don't really have my music is on bandcamp my paintings are all on instagrams and you could google them i even have a book um i could send a pdf to anyone interested in reading the book i that want I to wrote. read your book I'll send it to you, and maybe we'll have a, a new interview only based on the book. I would do that shit, and you don't even understand how much I love fucking reading. And it's not a long book. It's maybe like a 18 pages book, you know, but... Um... I just read it out of... I just read Wealth of Nations. I'm, I'm, there's no book. It could be the longest shit ever, my guy. <laughs> that means the other way around. It's, it's a humble book. It's not a big, a big book. It's more like a... It's an essay. Really, it's a compilation of essay and poetry. But um, I'm proud of it. And um, I'll send you the PDF. I would love to read that. To me, that's the dream. All, the, all this stuff now, like the rapping and all of that, like it's fun. But like books are forever, ever. Bro, get on it. 
you let me know. You let me know. I'm not even joking. It's on camera. If you want, I, there is good chances that I have, that I have a, editing, a book editing company for your first book already. Um, they are a beautiful editing house and they've edited, they edited book, published book for my sister and for myself. And um, you are of a level of intellect that I'm quite sure they would be happy to publish a poetry book or an essay book from you. So that, that should not be a wildly interesting thing someone said to me in a minute. And that's not even, I'm telling you, it's not even that wild. You have to have the content for it but i'm telling you the opportunity is right there bro you just got me inspired on that shit content's not a problem structure may be a problem content's not a problem so that's it structure yourself man and um i'll, I'll even pass you the the only thing why i said not 100 it's because they are based on french so mm. i don't know if they have bilingual books but um yo but even I'm, if it's not them if somebody if not them exactly that, it yo. is it is available i think it's always the thing yo we, people like, actually just because you said people read my long ass facebook posts so it's wild right like they read some the of them ass. i'm sure those who love you and those who enjoy your content and your purpose they do take the time indeed super valuable yo your knowledge nuggets indeed. are ridiculous yeah i appreciate and you, my monkey. brother let me send you love, uh, appreciation. Um, I really enjoy uh, the angles you have and the perception you have of me and our community and the culture that gave birth to us or inspired us or built it us to a certain level. Shout out to everyone that listened to this, that were involved and in sending energy. Even if I didn't, I, I didn't see you. Um, I kept going because I knew some of you were there yeah, watching and listening right now. Yo, that number has not dropped under 10, which for me is good numbers, since, like, honestly, you got here. That's, so like, that's a lot amazing. of people that just stuck through the whole thing. So much love. Much love to you. Much love to your network. Much love to your people. Much love to your projects. Gratitude to you. And um, I'll speak to you soon. Fresh. And, yeah, just thank you for coming through. I'll close that up right quick. Thank y'all for watching. For the people in the future, links in description. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff, though. And on that note, everyone saying bye. It's super great to have you here. This was a blessing, man. Live long and prosper. Shout out EO Dub. Yo, for real, shout out EO Dub. They're fucking wonderful. And it was great to have you here, man. Love you. Love everyone that keep respect on tradition and cultures and humanity. We are alive. Peace. Peace. Thank you.